0: Hello, welcome everybody to this next awesome episode of the Caregiver's Care Jar. This is actually episode 33, and uh, some great significance about this. Um, and uh, today, as always, we're just super excited about um, uh, being with you today. So I want to just introduce my co-host and my dear friend, Miss Christie, who is on board. Say hello.
1: Hello, hello,
0: hello! <laughs> and uh, we have a great episode today. Uh, our special guest is Miss Lisa Roseman, and um, I had an opportunity. We were introduced um, by Misty Loretta, I believe. that I'm saying her name right. Mm-hmm. And uh, another good friend from my networking group, uh, our our networking group of E women, and uh, she's like, "Vaughn, you two need to connect. It's just you guys gotta gotta talk." And um, we did, and it was like, oh, we got to bring you on. So literally, I just met her two days ago. We talked, we had a powerful conversation, and it was like, we need to, uh, I said, Christy, we got to, we, we're interviewing Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so excited. Uh, Lisa, uh, I'm Welcome to the podcast, and if you would um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, and we are going to dive right in. Welcome. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Vaughn. Thank you, Christy. It's really good to be here. Um, I already can feel the Lord's presence, so I'll try to stay in my seat as I'm sharing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am uh, a local to California and uh, have been a Christian for, gosh, this year is 30 years. So uh, time flies and um, I'm a pastor at a local church that uh, I do an inner healing ministry. I've been doing that for about 10 years and uh, I'm a mentor, I'm a coach, um, a newly published author. Um, And so I want to be able to reach out to people and share a journey that I went through and also an amazing miracle that happened in my journey. And uh, it's just a a wonderful um, opportunity to reach new platforms and meet new people uh, and to watch God open doors. And all of a sudden, there's just a bigger plan that we step into. And so it's wonderful to be here and to share um, my journey and uh, all that I went through in that journey of of caregiving is what it's about. And... um, God's promises and, uh, the way that he displayed that, uh, in, in this journey that I went through.
0: Awesome. 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 Thanks so much, Lisa. You know, and I've been so excited. I, I forgot to introduce our, uh, to our audience that, Hey, you're on the caregiver's care jar. You know, we are all about, um, you know, answering the call to caregiving, and um, our audience, whether it's a, our community is in—you're actually a caregiver, or you're in service—we always talk about um, filling up your cup first, and then serving from the saucer, and you know, making sure that you're taking self-care first, and making sure that we are um, being able so that we can give care uh, to our loved ones. And so, I—I um, I also forgot to mention how. Lisa is an author, and her title of her book is "The Highest Care." <laughs> and um, we just want to jump into your story. Um, uh, we understand that you know you cared for your mom um, with uh, as she had uh, was dealing with cancer, and. Um, and tell us about how you answered the call to caregiving and how that came about. And, you know, uh, I know you shared with me, but please share with our audience, your becoming a caregiver.
2: Sure. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to become a caregiver. I don't know if anyone signs up for that, um, <laughs> but things happen. One of the chapters in my book is called shift happens. And, uh, I had just graduated from, um, vanguard university with a theology degree and i was getting ready to teach this was in 2017 and uh bright future you know lots of opportunities thriving counseling practice and my mom developed a pain in her leg and we thought it was she was 74 so we thought oh arthritis or just something you know degenerative and uh, it got to the point where she wasn't able to walk And she became homebound. And so she was in Arizona and I in California. Um, It caused me to have to go out there and check on her, Um, you know, come alongside, get her better, Um, you know, whatever she needed, get her back on track and then resume life. Um, That wasn't the case. So when I got out there and um, we had, how can I put this gently? My mom was very stubborn. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had a lot of... um, I want to be kind and and honoring, (laughs) but there was some real static there. And um, she didn't want to face reality. So it it took a lot for me to even get her to get an x-ray, you know, to find out what was happening. Mm. And um, a diagnosis came and that caused me to uh, have to let her know that she couldn't live on her own and needed to come and live with me. And so the first few chapters of the book just talk about how difficult that was. Mm. Um, You know, all of a sudden, you know, things happen very quickly. So my mom had never been ill. Um, She didn't have any kind of uh, problems. And so to have this come in, you know, and I share in the book, do they have the wrong patient? Like, what are they saying with this diagnosis? They have to have it mixed up with someone else. And it ended up that uh, she had full blown stage four breast cancer, and it had traveled to her bone in her femur, in her leg. And so that meant that she needed quite a bit of care. So my whole life was flipped around. Literally, my rooms and my house became my office, became her room, and everything became a storage unit in her and another guest room that I had. Uh, I had to get her here. Mm. And uh, it was, it, I felt like I was in the twilight zone. I, I, I didn't know and didn't have my bearings on how to handle something like this. I tell people it was my first rodeo. <laughs> and, uh, so it happened quickly. Um, something that I didn't ever plan for for my mom and, uh, within overnight I became a full-time caregiver for her.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, uh, did you you know I wrote down about like um, we can relate and resonate with the like the life shift that happens um, again, we could say answering that call. Uh, did you ha- do you have um, any other siblings or is it just you um, with your um, mom? I can't remember if we asked you.
2: It was just me. Um, I have I do have a half sister but we've not spoken in many many probably decades now. And uh, so it's just me and having to bring her here, you know, there was a a burden I I share, you know, there's burdens in caregiving sometimes, whether it's financially, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, we go through the gamut of um, trying to navigate through these things. So it it was just me. And um, I think that's how my mom wanted it, because she was a very introverted person, very private person and so for her i think it was better that it was just her and i
0: right wow yeah so you bring you bring you go through the this is the situation this is the option you're choosing you're bringing her out you're flipping your house you're preparing and then you're beginning the the journey of um having mom <laughs> present <laughs> and uh, and then you're caring for her um for that you're um share uh, we talk a lot um about the journeys of becoming like an uh, an immediate advocate um, with doctors and nurses and because there's appointments you're going to and if there is any hospitalization or um you know different drugs, prescriptions, options, um, maybe even becoming power of attorney and different, um, you know, for the financials and stuff. Uh, We talk about that, Uh, share with us in the the community, like some of the um, discoveries, we're calling the discoveries and the challenges with making that adjustment, you know, going through that, those things.
2: Great questions. Um, you know, sometimes you're just recruited, right? All of a sudden, it's like ta-da! This is your new life, and and um, it's okay. very different than than the path that you were on. Right. And so, all of a sudden, I became an advocate. And uh, my mom came in uh, February. Yeah, it was about February that she came and was okay for a couple of months, but uh, the femur bone in her thigh was ready to fracture. I didn't tell her that because she wouldn't have known what to do with that information, Mm. but it caused me to have to really um, safeguard my house and have Mm. her in a place where, you know, there's fall risks and uh, many things that factor into then having a person who has a disability or a handicap, and then how do they navigate through your home? So that was the first thing, like, what do I do? How do I make it uh, easy for her? And then the uh, visits to the doctors, which, by the way, the first few months, she didn't want to see doctors. Mm. She had told me, don't ever use the C word. I don't ever want to use that word. God will heal me. And I'm not going to go. I don't need tests. I don't need to do anything. Mm. Well, we had already gotten the diagnosis and, and everything back in Arizona. And I knew that she would need more. But I had to honor her. And I chose to honor her choices. And allow her to have her process. Mm. So in that um, in April, just a few months after she was here, she did fall. Mm. She had a bad fall. She had uh, and had a compression fracture in her spine from that fall. And so we were in the hospital at that point. And uh, now you have the doctors and the medical community and everything is going to come to the surface. And so hard for her, but a relief for me, because then I felt like I had some help. Mm. Yeah, I was no longer on my own. And now that there's doctors assigned to her case, um, I have people I can talk to to figure out like, what's going on? Like, how long does she have? And so when the doctors came and said, you know, we're giving her six months, and we're putting her on hospice. uh, Mm. Again, I thought "You, you have the wrong patient. Oh, you know, there's, there's no way that that is right, and so the the twists and turns of the journey, and then me trying to figure out uh, medications. And she had two surgeries within twenty four hours, and uh, was in a Medicare rehab facility for thirty days. It was horrible. I mean, the quality of care was not what I would have wanted for anyone in that situation. And so, you know, I I learned quickly what sleepless nights are about, what anxiety looks like, what um, worry is about, what uh, constantly needing to be with her to make sure that she was getting changed or to the bathroom or the right pain medication. So it was so overwhelming. Uh, You kind of go on autopilot and you just go through the motions and try to, do the best you can while you're learning in that process. Right. So it, it was it was a lot to handle. Wow! Absolutely, I remember those days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow! We'll
2: have to talk more about that, Christy. I'd like to know yes, more about your story and and uh, what what you went through. Every human experience in this arena of caregiving matters to me. I so want to help people, whether they're in it, whether they're, you know, grief comes in layers, it comes in different seasons. And so um, all of it matters to me. I, I really have such compassion for people who have to go through being a caregiver. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's a lot of work and like you say it it hits you when you least expect it. Um so yeah Vaughn and I are always said we're you're you become the call and it doesn't happen for you or to you it happens for you and so
2: Mm. yeah yeah absolutely
0: yeah there's uh the the that part i think uh, and we talk about it probably almost in every every episode which is but it's good because it's the key we talk about that becoming an advocate an immediate advocate because your loved one's there they can't or in the case where they they won't they may be in denial or um, you know like like your, your experience um, you know it could be a whole level of i don't want you know whatever it is the refusal to find out um, and for whatever reasons and they're all valid for those individuals they and like you said uh, i really love how you said you know you wanted to honor how soon, but when it came to a point where you know, you also have to. You also get to honor when we need to see a doctor. We need to hear, you know, what's going on because yeah. it's now, it's now beyond, or it's just at that next place. Okay. And um, and becoming that advocate, um, I, you know, I shared on other episodes, but I just remember for my mom, she went into, a. It was a medit, um, found a, a Medicare facility for the thirty days, or actually for my mom, it was like three months. And um, but the selection, I was like, whoa, uh, I visited one. It was like a five star medical rating and it had three beds per room. And, I'll you know, like with sliding space in between each one, it's like, no way. I'm, there's no way. <laughs> um, ended up being in a very nice one. But the uh, incidences with uh, the CNAs uh, rotating and the turnover and it seemed like every hour you were educating someone new um, uh, things like that. So yeah, learning about what it is, what's the ailment, what's the, and then becoming an advocate was a, a major, major part where you need support because you feel alone. Like you said, you know, you get to right, talk with yeah. somebody.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think that be- the best advice I can give for uh, a loved one who's in a care facility, make friends with some of the nurses. Yeah. Come alongside yeah. because the more you complain and you, there's plenty of reason to complain and go after stuff and be an advocate, find a little balance there and make a couple of friends from the nurses and the assistants and, you know, all of those CNAs and all of that physical therapists, because when you do that and you do it genuinely, not just mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to be nice to you, but really, you know, come alongside and, and be advocates with the team you'll get further along because the more that you buck that system, they will, um, retaliate sometimes. And yeah. that's not what you want because you can't always be there with, with your loved one. Right. So I would just really, really encourage people make a friend, even if you wouldn't have that person as your friend necessarily in that time, they need to be your friend
0: absolutely
2: Um, thank them be appreciative uh help where you can i mean i would go out to the nurses station and help the nurse like make sure my mom's meds were coming on time and i would chat while i was oh how are you doing such a great job like thank you so much i know it's hard so um make make friends and and get to know the people in the facility so that even when you're not there you know you've kind of got people that are going to look out for your for your loved one
1: Yeah, absolutely. Helping them help you is one of the main keys because, yeah, I did work in a long term care facility and I know both sides of the bed. So Mm -hmm. as a patient and as a as a staff member. So, yeah, the more that you can be there for your family member, it really does help them. And, you know, nobody opposes you bringing donuts, coffee, you know,
2: snacks, brownies
1: whatever, they, they enjoy it and appreciate
2: it. So yeah, they need the little it. I bit mean, it goes a
1: long way. Yeah.
2: yeah. They're under the gun too with stuff. I mean, they're the pressure of working in those places, uh, yeah. and they're watching so much unfold and the family dynamics. And so they need, and that's representing God, you know, when we can give the love of God, even in those environments, which is really the best place where he does his work, um, we can shine with the light of God in the darkest places and bring hope to people and kindness. And uh, I think that that's what will bring a, a better result uh, overall. So, yeah.
0: yeah, they are slammed with schedules. You know, they're assigned 15 people for their shift. <laughs> it's, and...
1: Yes, it's always patient overload for sure. And there's usually at least three or four patients that need you at the same time and you kind of got to juggle. So,
0: yeah. Um, Yeah. That was a major, major learning. And, uh, and I mentioned before that the one thing that, um, I was able to be, even my brother came down from San Luis Obispo and we were able to be there basically 24 seven. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, but the, the the sadness, and this is not, you know, the sadness was like that other um, patients that were there, like in the, in the three months we were there, we never seen one visitor for right. many of them. I mean, it may be two or three out of uh, 20, 30 people, 30 rooms where there's any other family members or visitation. So um, just the thought of I couldn't imagine like, you know my mom being there like totally alone. For that long and no visitation, so um, you know, you talk about you know being able to make friends with the next door neighbor, and you know they're like hi, and you know being able to share with them as well. To, yeah, it's opportunities to uh, share, minister, and encourage. But my heart would just break. Um, uh, like, what do people do when they don't have like me, like a, a son that's there, or a daughter, or, or any family member? that is an advocate for them or, um, they're at the mercy. So that's just, yeah.
1: Yeah. You really, they really do rely on the staff. They really do. And they really, you always, you know, as a patient, you are are always hoping you get that Mm -hmm. favorite nurse or that favorite, you know, Mm -hmm. CNA or that one that, you know, always looks out after you or, you know, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Even with hospice, because after a month mm-hmm. of care, she came home and was already on hospice. And what came so, with her was like a huge, huge bag of medication. They had her on like 22 different things or something. Wow. And, um, yeah. you know, we were able to kind of work on that a little bit to not, you know, over medicate her. But with hospice, um, there's turnover you know, with nurses and with staff, and you feel like you're starting over, you know, you you got six months with someone, and then, boom, new nurse, okay, starting over. Uh, My mom was on hospice for 22 months. And so um, it it went longer than, you know, I thought, but um, even there, make friends. And I share in the book, you still have to be an advocate, even within the hospice environment in your home. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and so always knowing what's going on and Vaughn, you, you bring a good point of, you know, for, for those parents or people that don't have anyone to care for them. Um, when you go into a care center, make eye contact, wave, say hello, smile, um, you know, show mm-hmm. your face and, and just acknowledge these people that are maybe sitting for hours, staring out a window and yeah, you know, not, not having any human contact um, with relationship. So um, I always say, you know, we we are the light. We can be the light. And uh, even in our own darkness that we're going through, we can still show up um, <laughs> and uh, see what God's going to do. So it's a hard topic to talk about. You know, it's something that we tend to shy away from. Or for me, it never came into my world that I would even need to think about it. Right. Uh, right, I wasn't in denial. It just wasn't something that I needed to, you know, deal with. Right. And so now that I've gone through something like this, I'm like, gosh, there's a whole world that's opened up of people who, um, you know, my book is the highest of care. And what that looks like is me helping people to get the highest of care who are giving care. Mm. Yeah. You know how are they being served and, and is their community and are you not being isolated and there's so many things that uh, I think about gosh I want to find the people that are where I was mm-hmm. you know and how can I come alongside and and give them support and help and maybe my journey will will help others so
0: yeah that's, that's so yeah. I was like ah we need that. <laughs>
1: yeah, we say all the time, we're all in this together. We're right. all yeah, learning we as we go with each family situation that we're in. So yeah,
2: yeah. and everyone's different. You know, there's no no yeah. caregiving journey. That's the same. Um,
1: yeah.
2: What we can say, though, is that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he will come in and he will help. And, um, you know, he, he will definitely give you wisdom and strength when you don't have it. And, uh, I share a lot of those things in the book you know, that's what happened with me where there were days where I'm like, God, I can't do this. Like, yeah, you know, I, I, mm. I can't keep doing this. And it was only because it was all in the midst of a very broken relationship. Um, and so I had to go deep and, and the Lord did a lot of healing in me. Mm. Um, and it allowed me to honor my mom, you know, whatever her choices were, um, they were her choices and she had the right to make them
0: right yeah, yeah. In, um if uh, i'm wondering if i believe you are open to sharing about um you mentioned about you know the um uh, i forgot how you just worded that but the the broken relationship that you or the relationship that you didn't really have with your mom close and then having to be you know or choosing to be you know answering the call to the caregiving you know, there's a lot of dynamics with families like that, and a lot of scenarios. Um, some can be that's like the crux of everything, whether good or bad. Share, um, with, if you would, share with the audience that that dynamic and how, like you said, you had to go deep and so that you're honoring your mom. But about those differences and the challenges, because I think a lot of when we're answering the call, it's not because we were waiting for it and. All the relationship was perfect. This call brings up a lot of things to the surface to either be dealt with or an option or opportunity to be, you know, healed. Um, you know, pain, scars, unforgiveness, bitterness, you know, all, all kind of different things. Would you would you mind sharing a little bit of the things that you heal through, um, so that we know that we're not all alone?
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's that's great. Um... What I tell people is when things were great with my mom, they were amazing. And one of the things I share is that I can't look at our relationship just in those 22 months. I have to look at the whole relationship. Mm. So when things were good, they were awesome. My mom helped me write my papers for school. I mean, she was like we were two little peas in a pod, she'd say. But when things would fall apart and there would be real challenges, uh, it was really hard. And so she had come to live with me before when there were some financial issues and it lasted for about eight months and then when she moved back to Arizona, we didn't speak for two and a half years. Mm. And when we reconciled, there was a few years that were great and then she got very sick and there are some parents and children that do better at a distance. that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, you get along better with your parents when there's distance and living together would never be a good option, no matter what the situation. Uh, But in my mom's case, there wasn't another option. Um, And I wouldn't have chosen it anyway, because I knew that I could take the best care of her. Like out of anyone on the planet, I would be the one that would be able to help care for her in the best way. But knowing that I went into it with such trepidation because I was like, oh man, this is gonna be really hard. And so my mom, she had post-traumatic stress. Uh, My mom had a lot of uh, trauma in her childhood. Mm -hmm. And so when, when that happens with a parent and a child is born into that environment, I became codependent because I learned that I could only be okay if my mom was okay. And if she wasn't okay, then I wasn't okay. Mm. So when this happened, I, I felt like I'm battling the cancer. Like I'm the one that has this disease and with her denial and her um, real issue to control everything and to be very, uh, I mean, she didn't even like hospice or nurses or chaplains or, mm. I mean, nothing was acceptable. And so in that environment with her things would trigger these codependent things the childhood stuff would come up in me and um i I was wrestling with myself at times and then i was wrestling with god because i get angry with him and why is this happening and what do i do and so in all of the upheaval and you know you've got like a wheel with many spokes on it and sometimes that caregiving journey there's so many spokes in the wheel and you're like, okay, well, I'm having an emotional crisis here. And I just realized I haven't slept for five nights. Is that contributing to, you know, the lack of rest is contributing to my weakness and inability to handle. So the first year was really hard. Uh, the second year, I learned a little bit better how to navigate and uh, do some things that were really helpful in my journey so that I didn't stay so isolated. But the bottom line is there were times where I was just a little girl needing a mom Mm. and she just was not available. Mm -hmm. And that little girl in me was like really Mm. having a hard time. And in that place, trying to figure out between am I a daughter or a caregiver today? And towards the end, it was really more of a caregiving role rather than a daughter. And I, I had to accept that and uh, continue mm. to honor my mom and before God love her and, and allow the process. So uh, I went through a lot of inner healing in, in my journey for sure.
0: Wow. Mm. You bring up, you bring up a um, the point when you said like accepting caregiving when you you know you wanted to you needed your your mom and especially with with those when we we're caregiving for parents um i can i could totally relate to that dynamic where uh you 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 bounce between emotions because um you know whether it's mom or it's a dad that you're caring for they were so and so in this other light and when the child inner child in you is I would really need you know i really need you to be mom but right now you're being a real aggravating patient or you know you know sort of speaking you battle between it's like okay it's mom but i'm really upset with you right now and i'm really don't want to you know you go through those stages where you you're frustrated and um, i was sharing with christy one time when <laughs> recently um and my mom has uh stroke induced dementia uh, beginning part of dementia and i was like okay mom you need to brush your teeth and she was like no and like looked me in the eye and was like no i'm not brushing my teeth so like, you need to it's like i'm not and you want stinky breath it's like i don't care i'm not doing you know and it was like a, a whole side of mom that i never experienced and um but going through those whole uh emotions and those whole um uh, how you feel and then battling between i i don't don't think i should be feeling this way but i do the reality is i do and you're in that caregiving mode so that accepting being the caregiver role um my grandfather said uh he said um you're twice a child once a man twice a child is what Um. he said and uh especially for caring kind of for parents, you become now you're becoming the parent in uh, in that so interesting
2: yeah, very true. and in the element of self-care because that's probably one of the most important things as a caregiver is self-care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you're only as you're only able and, and have the capacity to care for someone else if you, you know, fill your jar, right? I'm sure that resonates with you some some way, right? (laughs) And so, and then that saucer theory of you have to have something left over to give away. And even in self-care, you know, I would feel guilty. I'm like, gosh, I'm going to go to the beach for a little while just to take a break, but my mom can't. Mm. She loves the beach. She doesn't want to go. I've invited her and, you know, she says no. And so you have to overcome, feelings of guilt and all of that. And what I want to share with listeners and and people who will watch is it's okay to not be okay in your journey. (laughs) Like you're not a superhero and, and it's okay if you have, you know, the valleys and the, the places where you're just having a bad day. Um, you know, I've learned, and there's some other, um, you know, things that I've, I've, um, learned along the way is that the definition of joy is knowing that someone's glad to be with you no matter what you're going through. Yeah, And so I find that um, in self-care, even that can be a challenge because there's there's guilt and things that can come from that, but um, you can't deplete your entire life in your caregiving journey. There has to be, you know, you're not the one who's dying. You may feel like it some <laughs> days, right? Like, oh my goodness, but um, you, you have to find those places in you that will uh, contribute to good mental health and yeah. uh, give you that that the fortitude and and the stamina to continue. So, self care is like top three on the list of of what a caregiver needs to be, you know, focusing on. I think. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's good stuff. Christy, you want to chime in here or ask a question? Or? Oh, I just
2: kind
1: of I just can resonate with her on so many levels, um, especially when she was talking about um, her mom being on hospice and the turnaround. I, I mean, as my son was on hospice for nine months and, and got kicked off because he kept refusing care. And so, yeah, someone would come to the house, the chaplain, the nurse, the whoever. And he's like, yeah, no, I don't need you today. Go away. And uh, he only wanted me to shower him. He only did. At the time, he was, I'd say, in his middle 20s. Um, he's 30 now. So that was like maybe three years ago, four He was around 24, 25 years old. And yeah, he was like, no, I don't want someone else to come shower me. And I don't, he very much was in denial and I don't need the chaplain to come pray over me. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that because I'm not um, passing away. I absolutely am going to you know, survive and thrive through this. And just because this is what I look like on paper, this isn't what's in store for me, you know, So yes, Mm -hmm. I could resonate and relate to all of that and trying to keep your sanity for me was definitely probably the biggest challenge because I would probably daily lose my mind (laughs) 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 and try not to, you know, I got very resentful in that time because I was like, we are all trying to help you. Will you just help us try to help you? And yeah, there was a lot of friction to say the least and then at the same time you're like I know how sticky is medically I really I'm really trying to be a good mom here and yeah yeah the compassion was, right yeah it was yeah it was very difficult to be compassionate when I was furious <laughs> that he would like no I'll wait till you shower me and I'm like I'm tired and I was still working full-time hours at the time so Mm. at the hospital so it was difficult it was definitely emotionally I was on a major merry-go-round of emotions so yeah I definitely resonated with that part so I'm glad that you shared that oh thank
2: you how many more people right Uh are being able to you know just really resonate and um say, so, yeah, that's me. Hey, that's me. That's me. So yeah. uh, we can, we can come alongside and help those who, um, you know, the biggest thing is community. Even if you just have one friend yeah, uh, that you can call and just get encouragement. And I always go back to God. You know, I don't yeah. know how people go through something like this without a connection to their creator. I, I don't know how a person could, could do it. So, um, that's a very important, probably the most important thing is that connection with with God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's um yeah, i'm gonna answer the call. I think the challenges, the emotions, the the up and downs, the roller coaster, it um it tests everything in you and um and um, you don't know when it's going to end you know you know there's going to be an end but you don't know you don't know when you know when it is
2: right such tension right you're like mm-hmm. when is it now is it
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
0: yeah you Very go true. back and forth and uh so you're always yeah you're always gonna all right well it's a one day at a time one moment at a time because you, um you, you never know you just never know what's going to happen and, and it may not even be um, death wise, but it just it could be attitude wise. It can be uh, mindset wise. Um, you know, it, it could be a change. It could be, you know, just a change in mood. Um, uh, different stages of their own, you know, they're going they, the loved one is going through their own personal. They may not be able to communicate or express Everything and you're trying to navigate their expression or lack of expression um and trying to figure out and kind of guesstimate or see, feel, feel out where you're at today. And okay, okay, you're in this mode today. You start learning their patterns and modes, and some you just never learn. It's just sporadic and depending on personalities <laughs> and uh, all of that. So it is uh, uh, a journey that we get to answer the call too.
2: Yeah, very true. The, my, my mom's hospice nurse, her name is Jamie, and she's just, I love her. I talk about her in the book. Mm. Um, she shared something with me a couple months ago. She said, you know what, Lisa, not everybody gets the blessing of a deathbed.
0: Mm. Mm. Wow.
2: And so if you have that blessing, whether it's for a loved one or you're in that yourself, it is a blessing because not everybody gets that wow you know if you have a sudden death car accident plane crash whatever there's it happens quickly and there's no there's no time and Mm. so it put it in a different perspective i thought gosh that is so true Mm. and coming from a hospice nurse um it was so impactful because that's what they see every day when they go to homes is the deathbed situation but she said, and so that means I'm working with a blessing that not everybody gets. Yeah. So uh, well, yeah. that really impacted me. I thought I need to re reframe that because it's it's absolute truth. And um it is a blessing to have the time, even though it's difficult, um, it, it's still housed in a blessing because you you have the time to go through it where some don't have that option. So Mm. that That really struck me.
0: Mm. Yeah, they just knocked me silent. That's powerful. <laughs> <laughs> that's powerful. Mm. I remember Christy sharing, actually, that's how this podcast even started. yeah, was I was first asking her questions as a respiratory therapist and her being bedside, you know to to death and things like that, and just all experiences. And it's like uh, that perspective and to be able to see an experience and when she was sharing I was like that just changes the perspective um of of where where you're at and, and to really define the blessings and there's always yeah. something to complain about or there's always something to wow i wish this wasn't or you know but there's always you know looking at what's the jewel in this what's the diamond that comes out of this what's the pearl that comes out of here what's the where's the light you know what is the light you get to see the light above the clouds uh, and the storm um yeah. and you get to learn to rise above and to experience in not only this situation but really the perspective in all situations yeah um,
1: that yeah thing. it's it really is an honor to get to share space with someone as they're transitioning their life. Yeah.
2: Yes. Especially um, if there's miracles that happen, yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as those things are happening. And I, I believe even if miracles aren't seen, they're still happening. Yeah. Um, miracles aren't always something that is a visual thing. There can be many different kinds of miracles. Um yeah. But the transition can be a miracle, and God can sometimes um, demonstrate certain things that cause you to see Him in a different way. And so, you know, we thank God that death is the beginning in so many ways of something that um, is eternal and beautiful. Uh, The process is difficult on our side. Uh, but, you know, no, there, there's more that uh, is coming. And so all things are working together for yeah. our good. And um, that means all. It doesn't say some, but all things. And um, for this particular thing with the book, I tell people I wouldn't mm-hmm. have written it except for what happened at the end. Uh, but it's still working for the good, even in the difficult journey and the hard story Um, there's gems, there's gems in the book that will, that will highlight, uh, what we're talking about here of cultivating joy and, um, finding one good thing when everything else is going wrong, just find one good thing to be grateful for. And that will help to shift your brain chemistry Mm. to a place where then you can go, Oh, hold on. Now I have a little bit more capacity. Mm right yeah so that's one of the tools that i share and how do we how do we shift and then how do we build some capacity within so that we can keep going mm. so mm. when you feel like the whole world blows up find one good thing and then see what happens it'll help to build your capacity refuel you
0: mm. yeah. i love that capacity yeah um, Hmm amongst the frustration and and, uh, amongst the challenge uh, i remember uh one day maybe it was last week where i I sat and watched you know mom eat where you know two years ago when she first came out you know she had to eat pureed food she couldn't walk she was in a wheelchair she was um you know and even though stuff is coming but like you say, catching a glimpse to just smile and say, you know what, my mom's eating. Um, um and she's enjoying and she's smiling. And you're right. I love what you said about that capacity. It opened up to be like, you know what? It's everything is it's worth it. Is it worth it just for this moment or this glimpse of um seeing? And it changed changed in my mindset. It's like, no, that's why you keep going. That's why. You were chosen to answer the call. This is why, yeah.
1: um,
0: you know, you can give the best care. And this is why it's all worth it. Um, that the blessing of um man, the the blessing of the deathbed, you know, that's powerful. So thank you for sharing that. That's I love that.
1: <laughs>
2: You're welcome. That. It's it's important that we that we know that. And um, you know, death is a part of life. I mean, it's it we none of us get out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. end result, but God knows. And uh, he, he'll help. He'll, he's, you know, the Holy Spirit is called our helper, our comforter. Um, you know, God yeah. comes in and, and will be uh, ever present in our time of need. That's in Psalms. And yeah. so if we just lean in and and look for him in the journey that we're in, he's there. He's definitely there to help us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Wow, this is amazing <laughs> and powerful. And, um, Chrissy, for anything else, because I want to just share about her book. But, um, anything yeah, else? Yeah, no
1: i I love how much she talks about joy because I know through my journey, you know, you keep a happy. um, disposition. And a lot of people would say, how could you still be so happy, you know, knowing your circumstances? And I would say, well, (laughs) you know, for me, joy is so much different. Joy is my strength. Mm. Um, I can be sad, but still be strong. Mm. Um, And, um, you know, happiness is a choice. But, you know, yeah, my joy definitely comes from strength. So that's why, you know, after my son was on hospice, and I did some grief recovery, I created my joyful grieving, um, grief recovery classes. So, Mm -hmm. because it it is hard to find the joy when you're going through your circumstances. And when you see it as strength, um, it's just a little little bit more helpful to get through your day. And because you don't have to be happy to be joyful or, you know, you can be still be sad and have joy. Like she said, when you talk about what you're grateful for um it does put a shift in your brain and it does make a huge difference
2: yeah it does and that's actually brain chemistry so there are uh phd christian doctors who have studied this out and i've had training in those areas too and it does uh, it changes your brain chemistry the dopamine Mm -hmm. serotonin there's things that happen chemistry wise in the brain from stress and your right. adrenals get, you know, stressed out, uh, f- fight or flight, what's going on? What's the next yeah. thing that's going to happen? And so joy in the process of all of that, you know, joy doesn't mean that you're happy and dancing all over your, you know, street outside. Joy right. can be rest. Joy can yeah. be peace. Joy can be um, knowing that God is with you. Joy can be a friend that calls or sends a text message or brings a meal And so it's those things that we're not looking for like party joy, right? Because (laughs) sometimes we're just not in a party joy place, but joy has different uh, colors to it. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. joy is just found in simply resting, getting a good night's sleep and waking up feeling like I slept. And so it's those small pockets that you can um, access, because yeah. we're like a fuel tank sometimes. If our capacity gets low and we're running on the empty fuel light all the time, we, we just can't do that. But those times of joy, whatever color that is for you, it's going to fill your tank. Mm-hmm yeah and then you can you'll have the fuel to get through maybe even the next hour, depending on your situation right so um mm-hmm. yeah joy is it's a huge it's a huge thing in in life in general, whether you're a caregiver or not, given the the world stage today and yeah. and all that we're seeing, um, joy is something that is going to be a critical thing uh, to learn how to cultivate, yeah. Our little pockets of peace. That's
0: right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me. Absolutely. Wow. It's good stuff. I, um, well, we're definitely going to have to have you come back on. Um, <laughs> we will. And uh, we definitely want to, you know, the title of your book is, you know, The, the Highest of Care. And um, I want to let the audience know go check out not only her book, but she has an awesome video um, about her experience with her mom. Um, and it's powerful. I, I seen it last night and um, it's just super powerful. There's no no words describing it. So I can only imagine that the book and your story and your journey, <clears throat> and thank you for sharing with us in this one was only bigger and better and more powerful. Um, But you want to look at the highest care, the highest of care, I'm sorry, the highest of care.com is where you'll find um, Lisa at and um, her book. And I'm sure there's links um, for Amazon and all the other platforms there. Uh, Really looking forward to um, digging into that. Is there anything else, Lisa, before we go that you want to share with the audience that you offer, that you have? Um, in addition to the book, um, um, we're definitely going to have you back on. But if there's anything else that you wanted to share in this moment on this episode 33,
2: <laughs> well, when you go to thehighestofcare.com, uh, you can enter in your email, and I'm giving away the first chapter for free of the book just to give readers an idea of what it is. And uh, you know, you'll step into that first chapter, and and it'll start you on you know the journey of of the story. Um, But I just want to share a a quick quote uh, that I wrote from the book just to bless everyone, if that's okay.
0: Yes, please. Yes, Um,
2: please. (laughs) This is in the epilogue, so it's uh, at the end here. Woven into our paths of faith are breakthroughs, milestones, disappointments, and encounters. Indeed, we travel through the valleys and soar upon the heights. With each step, we are transformed to reflect the goodness of God. My journey through cancer with my mom included all of these things. And my life's work will include helping others navigate through their season of caregiving. I want to take you to the end of the journey that in reality has only just begun. So we have the milestones, the breakthroughs, the valleys, all of these things. And my uh, life's work will now include the inner healing ministry that I do to help people uh, experience profound transformational healing Mm. uh, and then developing what's called the highest of care network. And that is going to bring resources for people who are caregivers uh, who need help, who need support, who need um, community, who need Mm -hmm. prayer, who need whatever, that looks like uh, this is what I'm developing. So the journey with my mom put me on a different path, Um, not only in the beginning when it happened, but at the end. And the biggest thing I can share with people is uh, there is eternal life. And I watched that happen when my mom passed away. And that's the video that Vaughn mentioned. Uh, There's a 12-minute video on my website. Watch it. If that's mm-hmm. all you ever do, just watch that video so yep. that you can see for yourself um, what happens when a person transitions. Um, but the Highest of Care Network will be used to, I think it'll go global in just a huge way um, to help people. You know, that's my heart is how how can I help you connect, to heal, to know you're loved, you're not alone. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's really where I'm at. In this current day, <laughs> it's great, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank love you. it,
0: love it, love it. It's so parallel, and uh, of course, we are uh, your biggest fans. We're um, with the, you know, we serve the same community, and it's the same, um, it's the same message. It's the same, we're it's so uh, uh, it's like thesaurus thesaurus here, <laughs> um, but we totally, totally enjoy. Uh, Thank you for being here. You're sharing. Thank you for what you've um, stepped into and uh, with the highest of care. I love that the highest care uh, network. Uh, We want to be totally involved with that and to promote that.
2: Absolutely. Yes. uh,
0: We are. We're part of your team. So
2: thank Um, you. I've been praying, Lord, you know, connect me with the right people. Uh, this is his story and so he will do that and I I believe this is one of those connections so uh, I'm so excited to continue on our journey together
0: yes Yes. yeah we chat some more so Christy any final words as we wrap this episode
1: I am just (laughs) filled. my cup is filled I love this story
0: yeah yeah Mm. well Lisa we will definitely uh, have you back again Thank you for sharing the epilogue and uh, everything. And um, those uh, listening, you know, like and share these and please uh, subscribe. Um, Join us for um, the next episode and be on the lookout. We'll be promoting um, Lisa's book and everything about the the Highest of Care Network. Um, You will definitely see it on our platform and on our website. So we want to hear your stories. uh, If there is Someone uh, that, whether it's you or someone that you know, they have stories to share, they have services, they have ministry, they have, you know, um, experience, tools to share. We want to know about it. We want to share it with this community because we are in this all together in this caregiving community. And we want to be there to help so that we can give the highest care to those uh, that we are serving um, and that we answer the call to. So Thank you again for uh, another wonderful episode. Lisa, blessings to you. This is so good. Can't wait till the next one. Um, we'll have to put it on a seven. <laughs> the next one. Uh, 37. 37. And. Um, <laughs> we'll have to work that. Um, well, thank you everybody for tuning in. We will see you on the next episode. And um, please go and once again to thehighestofcare.com. Watch the video um, and um, be a part of what she has and uh, utilize her resources and her giftings of what she has to share with you to help us. So uh, we're all in this together. Fill up your cup, serve from your saucer. Um, This is happening for us and not to us. And let's continue to go forward and um, fill our care jar as we care for the other loved ones. Thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you soon.